Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to AM 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. using the latest action of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on AM 1320, as well as over the Internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Dave Ackman. And last night, the Revs got a 1-0 victory over the Metro Stars. They left till late again. Uh, 85th-minute goal by James Riley, his first of his MLS career. And they got the win, and now they're in the playoffs. Uh, with three games left of the season. Yeah, it was a perfect way to go in. You got the rookie contributing. You got Taylor setting it up, you know, continuing his uh, point lead in the uh, MLS. And just an overall good way to get into the playoffs. And definitely an important win. Uh, the Revs, uh, with the tie against Columbus on Wednesday, um, obviously Columbus, the last place team in the East, pretty much eliminated from the postseason. Uh, mathematically not yet, but uh, even their coach has basically conceded it. Uh, admitting that he's been put in a bad situation where they're not going to make the playoffs and he's nothing we can really do in that situation. So uh, getting a tie against a team like that with the first-place team being the Rebels against the last-place team in the East was a disappointing result, but uh, they, they put in a good performance in the second half of that game. And then going into the Metro Stars game, you could tell they wanted to win it. The first-half performance was uh, complete domination, I would say, 12-3 on shots, 7-2 to on shots on goal in the first half. Uh, it was an excellent first half. Steve Nichol talked about the first half. Uh, talked about it being the best performance he had seen as a coach of the Revs. And Steve Nichol had great things to say about how the team played last night, despite only coming away with a 1-0 victory. Uh, they could have, they had their chances to make it more, but a uh, victory is a, is a win, and that's what they needed right at this point, and they got it. Uh, and you can hear Steve Nichols' comments on the game. We have those, and we can play those for you now. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts in general on uh, the season James Riley's had so far, and what does his performance tonight do for him going forward? I'm guessing this. I would hope he's going to give him some confidence. But I hope he enjoys the night because uh, he's back playing with the Zeps tomorrow. <laughs> so that'll get him back down to earth. No, he's had a, he's had a good learning year. You know, he's, he's been starting, he's been sub, he's not been on the bench. You know, it's a learning process for him. And uh, because of his attitude and the way he looks after himself, he's able to come off the bench and, and do what he did tonight. We moved the ball as well as, as, as any team I've, I've ever been with. So, you know, would we like to have put the ball in the net as well? Uh, yes. But as far as uh, playing the game, I mean, that's how you play the game. Uh, I certainly think that's that's the best 45 minutes we've played since I've been here. Well, we said after the, the last game that, that we thought it was just a, one of those days where we had too many guys defensively who weren't at it. Uh, unfortunately, it looks as though we've been proved that that was the case. You know, we defended well tonight. Uh, they had that scare when Riley cleared it off the line. But I think, uh, you know, had we not won the game tonight, it would have been a complete injustice. Does making the playoffs mean anything to you at all? You qualified? Is that relevant or do you just keep talking from here? Uh, both. It's absolutely relevant. You know, that's the first goal we had at the start of the season was to get into the playoffs. We've achieved that now. Uh, the second goal is we want to to get home field advantage, um, and the only way we can we can be sure of that is by winning the rest of the games, and that's what we'll try and do. It seemed like defensively, the fact that they didn't see a whole lot of the ball, especially in the first half, the pressure 
seemed to work uh, exceptionally well. Can you just talk about the way the midfield and the forwards. Um, well, Taylor and Taylor and Pat start it up the top. You know, they get in good positions to defend, um, and then everybody falls in behind. You know, and you know it's something we're trying to achieve on a um, on a, a regular basis. Um, but it takes a lot of communication, uh, a lot of good decisions by the front two, the, the middle five, and the back three. And uh, you know, they all gel tonight, and, and you saw the, the result of that. And that was Revolution head coach Steve Nicolon. Uh, last night's win over the Metro Stars. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the win puts the Revs into the playoffs. Uh, the Revs become the first team in the East to make the playoffs and now uh, really only need four points to clinch first place in the East. And that's assuming D.C. doesn't drop any points along the way as well. Yep, and uh, I think a big three points is coming up next week. Uh, that's going to also help for the race to the number one overall record. Um, if they produce another performance like this week, especially the first half, I don't think you can uh, worry about first place. But if it's another game like Wednesday, you never know. You just got to play out the rest of the schedule. Yeah, San Jose, the top team uh, in the West, are coming into town uh, uh, next Saturday to face the Revs. That should be a great game. Uh, it had been Dallas, the early leaders in the West, but now Dallas has faltered, and San Jose has played very well out of nowhere. They lost a lot of their top players, Landon Donovan, uh, Richard Mulroney, guys like that, and it seemed like. Uh, it might not be the year for that team, but they've done so well, and they've lost guys like Brian Ching to injury for a while, Brian Mullen, and that's a team that's really pulled through a lot of adversity and became the top team in the West, so that should be a good matchup to see. San Jose are currently overall leaders in the table with 27 points against the Reds, who have 55 points, and whoever wins that game will likely win the supporter shield come the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. Uh, San Jose's been doing really well. I mean, Derosario has really stepped up for them. He's been amazing leading their attack, and I mean, they have a many problems any pronged attack and Ching is back to scoring so it's going to be a tough game yeah definitely but uh, the Revs face San Jose the first game of the season they haven't faced them since that game ended up 2-2 with San Jose scoring the first two and the Revs making a late comeback ever since then the Revs have been doing very well and have really held first place in the East for pretty much the whole season uh, at, at this point it seems like likely that with only four points needed that they'll get first place in the East and get home field advantage uh, but getting first overall in the league is not something that matters so much in the playoffs but I think with a lot of fans being into more of the European style, which the overall league table is what decides who the best team in the league is and who the winner of the championship is, I think that would be something great for the Revs to win uh, and come in first place and win the Supporter Shield. Yeah, and especially coming out of the East to win the overall is a little bit more difficult than I think about winning in the West. You don't get to face Chivas and Real Salt Lake quite as much. I mean, Columbus, you know, when they had Bottle, was always a tough team to defend against, and now that he's back, you saw how good that their attack can be. So I think, you know, it's a little deceiving to see that, you know, Columbus is at the bottom. I think that they would be, you know, if they had been, you know, healthy all year, they would have been at least mid-table out in the West. Yeah, definitely. The Columbus gave the Revs a good game on Wednesday, and it took until the 93rd minute for the Revs to get on the scoreboard and tie up that game. Uh, Taylor Twelman with his uh, 16th goal of the season, league-leading 16th. Uh, Twelman really is the league leader for MVP voting right now, I'd say. If you look at the league's website, they have a tracker as well, obviously unofficial, but uh, I'd be surprised if he didn't get it if he keeps up playing the way he has been. Yeah, not only is he scoring him, but he's also setting him up, and he's also, you know, just creating a lot of havoc for defenses. They have to key in on him. They have to worry about him while he's in the air. He makes the flick-ons. He does all the dirty work on defense, so he's not just a one-dimensional player. He does all the things that you need him to do. Yeah, he had the assist last night, game-winning assist, as well as Pat Noonan with the secondary assist on that. And Twelman's now got seven assists on the season to go with his 16 goals, so he's definitely not a one-dimensional player. And when you look at the other players up there on the scoring charts, you see Jaime Moreno right behind, but seven of his 12 goals are penalty kicks, so I think you got to count that against him as well. So a guy like Twelman who has 16 goals, four more than Moreno, and none of them came off penalty kicks, it's really a credit to how well he's done this season and what a great player he is. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know the exact stat, but I can't remember how many of them that have been, you know, late goals that, you know, gra grabbed us points that a lot of forwards, you know, don't make. You know, he it seems like he does his best 90-minute, you know, 85th minute when we need him to score. Yeah, the team as a whole has scored 18 goals uh, past the 75th minute, so uh, that, that's a surprising statistic to see that uh, in a season where they've only played 28, 29 games so far, that they've had 18 goals in the 75th minute and on. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot about Nichols' way of uh, getting them to be dedicated for the entire 90 minutes. He keeps them in good condition. You know, you don't see them tiring off where, you know, some teams will lose a step later on. It seems like the Revs almost kick it into another gear at that point in the game. And if you're looking at the standings right now, uh, the Eastern Conference is still wide open. The Revs obviously clinched the, the first team to clinch a playoff spot. Still no team is eliminated. Uh, Columbus have an outside chance of sneaking in. Uh, Metro Stars have a pretty good chance of possibly coming, coming from behind and catching Kansas City. Uh, only three points out of a playoff spot. And the Metro Stars, I don't think they are a team that the Revs would want to get matched up with in the first round of the playoffs. No, I mean, we've seen the last two weekends. I mean, you know, last night we outplayed them, but it shows, I mean, if Riley hadn't cleared that off, it would have, could have, you know, it could have easily been one running or one nothing them. I mean, in the other weekend they beat us 5-4, so, I mean, it's a team that you don't want to face because, you know, the rivalry, they definitely get up for it, we get up for it, and it's a team that you want to avoid if you can. But definitely the last game last Saturday, 5-4 to four victory for the Metro Stars. Uh, this game, obviously, not as many goals, but still a very exciting game, and it was great to see Matt Reese get a, get a shutout and uh, recover from the bad performance the week before in which the Revs gave up the five goals. Yeah, and I think the last two games he's shown that, you know, that was just an aberration for him. You know, consecutive clean sheets, and he's been, uh, I mean, not a clean sheet, but two great uh, defensive games from him, so. Yeah, definitely Matt Reese. Uh, was the, really the favorite for goalkeeper of the year until that Metro Stars game. Uh, if you throw that out, I'd say still the favorite, but uh, obviously that's going to count against him come the end of the year and as far as the stat show and it's unfortunate that that game had to happen yeah and I think it's going to be a lot of it's going to be pretty fresh in a lot of the people that votes on its mind so I mean I think it hurts twice as much if it had happened early in their season I think it wouldn't have counted as much as it did when it counted so late in the year and, and James Riley a guy who uh, at the start of the season looked very good and it was someone who many people put up there for a rookie of the year candidate with Parkhurst obviously recently hasn't seen that much time on the field um, after his injury, he hadn't looked as sharp and he hadn't seen that much time on the field. But uh, last night he had an excellent game, scored uh, the game-winning goal, the only goal, his first goal of his MLS career. And he looked like a great pickup for the Revs. And Riley, was, I think, was very pleased with his goal and thought it was, it was his first really goal, even, in, even through college, that he hadn't scored in his uh, senior year through the run of play. So, it was, so I think it's surprising for him, too, and we have his comments on that goal. First MLS goal and is a big one. Talk Definitely. about the pitch. Uh, very opportunistic, very lucky. Taylor News played a great ball. Taylor's obviously going to get to it. Uh, just try to be in the right place at the right time. Definitely feels awesome. So. Just an instinct thing? Yeah, I guess so. More luck than instinct. But, but to get there, you, you were in the right place at the right time at the other end, too. Not too many guys do that one. Right, right. That's the one was luck, too. It was a slow roller. I, I probably would have felt really bad if I let that one go in. So. <laughs> Luckily, it just came right to my foot. But, I mean, to be in the right place at the right time on both goal lines. Right. I hardly ever see that happen within a second. Right, right, right. I mean, fair enough. Uh, just trying to work back. I, I was trying to actually defend the cross. Just my, my momentum kept going, and I was lucky to be there to get it up. Did it feel like in recent weeks maybe your role in the team had dwindled? You were 
up for his, as a substitute didn't, right, didn't, right. didn't get on the field and all yeah. to play such a huge role? Yeah, I don't think it's dwindled. Like from the get-go, even before I was a starter earlier in the season when we were on the Bermuda trip in Ecuador, I said I just wanted to contribute to the team any way possible. And luckily in the first half of the season, I was able to do that from a starting role. Uh, the middle of the season, coming back from an injury, do it from the sidelines where I was cheering the guys on. And then now I'm practicing just getting the first team ready and uh, letting Stevie and Paul know that I'm ready to get on the first team again. So that's all I wanted to do. And that was James Riley, uh, the rookie who scored his first goal last night uh, for the team as well as saved the goal, getting back down there to, to the own end line to defend and clear the shot off the line. Yeah, I mean, he had put in a great performance off the bench, and uh, I don't think it's so much as the way he's been playing. I mean, he's been, you know, standard. His play hasn't been bad. I think it's just showing the depth that the refs have. I mean, you know, we have Phillips that sits on the bench, too. I mean, these are good wingers and forwards that are just, you know, stuck. And, I mean, he's stuck in the back line rotation, too. And, I mean, you got Avery John there, too, with him. So I don't think it's a detriment to him. I think it's just, you know, a numbers game. And a guy who played a big part in creating that goal, Pat Noonan, uh, put in the cross that Twelman headed down to Riley. Ha- hasn't scored in a while. He was the top of the scoring charts for a while. But he's really been putting in a lot of great assistance and setting up Taylor Twelman. Um, and, and he had an excellent game last night. I thought he created many chances. Um, obviously not getting on the score sheet recently, but I think he's been a big part of the Reds' success. Yeah, I think ever since that U.S. trip when they used him as a left winger, I think his crosses have been a lot better. And I think, you know, that shows in the way Taylor's been putting him up. I mean, he might not have so many, but coming off the injury, I think he's doing all the little things that he has to to get back on the score sheet. Yeah, Noonan had, as I said, a great game last night and got the secondary assist there. He also had the assist in the Revs game on Wednesday. He's been piling up the assist. Uh, well, well, the goals haven't been coming, and he's been doing an excellent job creating chances for Taylor Twelman and the rest of the team. And uh, we can we talked to uh, Pat Noonan last night about what he thought of the game, and we can play for you his comments now. But tonight our first 45 was pretty sharp. Uh, we were getting the ball wide. We were moving together as a unit and uh, creating some good chances. So uh, the first half was definitely a positive. Is there a sense of frustration not having scored any of the first half there? Well, a little bit. You know, it, you know, it's going to happen, though, where you're going to get a lot of chances and, you know, just be a little off offensively and, you know, in the final third. But uh, you got to fight through those those slumps, and uh, we were able to do that tonight, you know, all the way into the to the final whistle. And, you know, it took till you know, the 88th minute to get that goal, but we got it. Let's go say at halftime. He was pleased. You know, we, we obviously had a good uh, first 45, but he said, you know what, it means nothing when you come out at 0-0. Uh, you got to go do the same thing in the second half and find a way to get the uh, the three points, and we were able to do that. The play seemed to drop off a little bit in the second half to start the second half, the first 25 minutes, uh, a little more sloppy than the first half. Is there anything that can explain that? Not particularly. Uh, I think uh, there's no reason to, to let down our guard after uh, 45 minutes like that, but, you know, it's, you're going to have slump or periods of time where you're not going to be, you know, 100% sharp in our first 45 seemed like that, but, you know, we dropped off a little bit and kept fighting and were able to get the late goal. And the team's now had 18 goals past the 75th minute mark. Uh, is there anything explaining the pressure the team's put on after that and how they've come away with such a late success? Well, it's a, you know, a 90-minute game, and uh, the team, you know, never gives up, and obviously whether we're down or up or uh, or tied that late in the game, uh, you know, you're pushing for goals and you're pushing for wins and, you know, 0-0 at home and in conference to try to make the playoffs so you don't give up, uh, you know, when you're not scoring goals early in the game. And, you know, we fought through and got the late one. And looking forward to the game next week. Uh, top team in the West coming in uh, and top in the league as well. How important is it to get a win against a team like that and show that uh, going into the playoffs that you can beat the best team in the West? Well, we have to maintain, you know, uh, the, the play that we, uh, we've we been doing of late. And, you know, we can't let down our guard because we made the playoffs. Uh, 
we got to come out and, and try to, you know, stay number one, build a lead, and uh, hopefully get the number one spot overall. And that was Revolution forward Pat Noonan on uh, the Revs victory over the Metro Stars last night. Uh, Pat Noonan, uh, as I mentioned, had the assist on that goal for James Riley and has been playing very well recently after coming back from the national team, as you mentioned. Uh, and uh, a guy like Pat Noonan and Taylor Twelman, how well they've been performing together is really part of the reason the team has been so successful. The two of them have definitely formed what I would call the best forward partnership in the league. I mean, coming into the season, uh, people would argue Carlos Ruiz and Eddie Johnson, but just how well it's Taylor Twelman and Pat Noonan work together, I don't think there's much of a question who is the best forward partnership in the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, up there on Ruiz and Johnson, I don't think they've been doing enough, you know, they haven't been enough, together enough to prove that they are that good. And I mean, despite the earlier, you know, cries for Noonan and Twelman can't play together, I think that's been all disproven this year. I think they've been working great off of each other. But definitely, uh, where you see a guy like Carlos Ruiz and uh, Eddie Johnson, I don't think they've linked up that well together as forwards. They've been injured. Uh, Eddie Johnson's been injured a lot, and that was really touted as probably what was going to be the best forward combination, uh, second to Taylor, and the second would be Taylor Twelman and Pat Noonan. But it's really not been really much of a contest this year because of the injuries, and uh, they've really hooked up very well together, Pat Noonan and Taylor Twelman. As you mentioned, past years it hasn't seemed like they did hook up that well. And it's kind of a surprise to see that all of a sudden this year how well they've hooked up together. I think maybe the past has been injuries to Twelman uh, that have caused them not to be playing together all the time, and that may have affected their game. But the way they've been playing this year has just been spectacular and really fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's almost like they've been doing this forever, but, you know, it, they have it. And I don't know whether that's, you know, the midfield play getting them in better positions or just working over time together. I'm not sure what it is, but it just it shows. And another guy who had a good game last night, that was Marshall Leonard. He hadn't... Uh, seen time in a while, but now he's got his starting spot back. Uh, he's been performing well. Uh, his crosses haven't been the best, but I think he's been working extremely hard and his de- defensively has helped out a lot. And he's been another player that's proven that he is a good option to have on the left wing. Yeah, I mean he almost uh, acts almost more like a wing back, you know, playing you know slightly more defensive than most wingers would. But he does get forward. I mean he had that one chance where he crossed it and or got the cross in the box and tried to flick it back to Twelman. I mean those are the kind of plays that you need your winger to do. Get get in the box, attack and try to set up plays. And we talked about the depth this team has. Um, last weekend we saw a guy like Avery John who started at the beginning of the season uh, lost out of starting spot when he went away and Joe Franchino performed well. Uh, but it started a few more games this season. Surprisingly, he was left off the bench last weekend against the Metro Stars. And then a guy like Jose Cancelo was also left off the bench that game. Now Cancelo is injured, and that, that's the reason he's left out. But it, it's surprising to see that, that they can go with two guys like that left out of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, John's a proven international player. Cancelo, you know, he's been in the heart of the midfield, you know, at times, you know, spraying those passes out from the deep role. So, I mean, having those two guys gone and almost not missing a beat, you know, you just inserted, inserted Dorman, you know, inserted Hernandez. I mean, those are the kind of things that you can't, you know, couldn't have expected a couple of years ago with our squad. Well, it's also surprising to see a guy like uh, James Riley, Conley Dozier, and Ricardo Phillips, and Kano Smith uh, pushing a guy like Avery John off the bench like they did on both Saturday and on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, that was a very offensive bench. I'm not quite sure what was going on there. I mean, there's a lot of wingers and forwards, but I guess maybe he expected it to be a high-scoring game where you're going to have to turn it over, but I don't know. Yep, and uh, Avery John played in the reserve match today, and I thought he had a good performance. The reserves got a 1-1 tie. Um, they're, they were tied for first heading into the day um, in the Reserve League, and they've been doing very well. A lot of players have really proven themselves with the Reserves team. Uh, Conley Adosian has been up there in the top of the scoring charts for the Reserves, and uh, he's probably only the Revs' fourth or fifth string forward at this point, so it's uh, amazing to see how the depth they have where they have so many guys that can come off the bench and help the first team as well as 
uh, such a great reserve team. Yeah, I mean, the reserve team today was amazing. I mean, you had Lorenkowitz. He he really held down the center defense. I mean, I think that's a great, you know, backup to, you know, a Parkhurst or someone like that. You know, Avery John put in a great game at the back. I mean, Riley even showed that, you know, when he has to, he can play right back a little bit. I think, you know, it shows the entire depth. I mean, guys like Phillips and Smith, you know, put in good games. And, I mean, if they can do that in the reserves, it's only going to show, you know, when injuries and other things crop up. Yeah, and Connell Smith scored the game-tying goal for uh, the Revs, and he's been a player who's had some great, brilliant moments for the, uh, the, the, the full team, and where earlier in the season he had some great performances. Um, he dropped off for a while where it didn't look like he was going to be really helping the team too much, and I think he lost a, a lot of respect from a lot of people, but since then he's been playing extremely well, scored two brilliant goals, um, doing well for the reserve team as well. So he's been a player that's proven to be a very good pickup in the long run. Yeah, I think it's all a confidence thing for him. I mean, you can see that he has the skills when he gets it on target and when he gets going forward. Uh, I think, you know, when the when it seems like when the reserve league is in play, that's when he performs his best. I think, it, you know, he gains the experience and the confidence from the reserve league, it seems. I think when you had the little break in the middle, that's when he sort of fell off. Yeah, he's really been a, a pickup that really came out of nowhere. They went on their preseason trip and uh, discovered him in Bermuda. I don't think many people were expecting them to discover a player in Bermuda that they're going to bring back with them. Uh, and then he came in and he first started, he scored a goal, um, was off for a few weeks where he, w- he wasn't scoring. He had several weeks where he didn't score, but then scored a, an excellent goal against the Real Salt Lake uh, at home and then scored an amazing goal against Real Salt Lake on the road. Uh, so even if that's all he does this season, he's been uh, done more than I think anyone could have expected. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think when they went for that friendly tour, if you told them they would come back with a forward that you know would be a... Uh, you know, a solid target man. He'd put up four or five goals. You know, I think they would have taken that. I mean, I don't think you would have expected some guy to come in and displace Noonan or Twelman. But, you know, just being there to deputize when they're on uh, national team break or injuries, I think he's been doing fine for that corner of role. Yeah, and he's shown a lot of speed as well uh, with the ability to make like a 70-yard run like he did against Salt Lake. Uh, and today he made several good runs as well uh, and scored, the, as I said, the game-tying goal. Obviously that goal wasn't too hard for him, more of a tap and. Uh, but it's great to see him get on the score sheet for the reserves as well. Yeah, and he also had that nice free kick. I mean, I, I think that was probably one of the best ball-struck in balls I've seen him hit in a long time. I think, uh, you know, outside that Real Salt Lake, you know, 70-yard dash that I heard people start calling him Thierry uh, Smith. I mean, you know, that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a far-fetched comparison. But I think, you know, that's the kind of player he could be. He's the tall, lanky forward with a little bit of speed. And if, I mean, if he becomes even the MLS's version of Thierry Henry, I think it's probably the best pickup you could imagine. Yeah, and he was a little unlucky not to get the assist in the reserve game today. With uh, giving a perfect pass to Ricardo Phillips, giving him half the net to look at it open. And Phillips, I'm lucky to just slide it right back right to where um, Zach Wells was standing. Uh, I think the reserves are very unlucky not to win. Uh, Gilberto Flores kind of had a breakaway there, dribbling around the goalkeeper, and it seemed like he was afraid to shoot the ball at the net. And uh, it was unfortunate that he couldn't pick up a win there, and I think they had the chances to make it 3-4 three, three, to Three or four to one, and with the chances they had. Yeah, I think you know Flores was a little bit indecisive there. I mean, he made a couple nice passes on that one chance for the goal, though. Yeah, I think he, you know, he tried slotting it across, but by the time he slid it across, it was too late. The defense was back in position. So yeah, he had he did some great dribbling in that game. Dribbled out of a a lot of problems. Dribbled around to tons of people, but the finishing just wasn't there. He seemed to be too indecisive when he got in front of the goal. So it was unfortunate for him that he that he didn't have the 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 thought just to put that in the back of the net at that point. Yeah, if he had pulled the trigger, that definitely would have gone, and he had the entire net to look at. But, I mean, I guess, you know, his his role is a passer, a distributor, and I guess that's what he was looking to do first. I think this, this that was one time that he had to just take up take a shot. It was also good to see uh, Ryan Latham finally back and performing for the reserves who came in the second half and played 45 minutes. Uh, he had saw some time for the 
full team earlier in the season, but then went down with an injury. So it was good to see him get back into the game. Yeah, I think he did really well out on the right wing for them. He uh, made some nice runs, some nice passes, dropped back, you know, defended when he had to. I think he did very well for the reserves. And Cancelo was out there practicing as well. It seemed like he was only using his left foot. And it sounds like he has turf toe, which could be put him out for anywhere from a couple of weeks to the rest of the season. So Yeah, turf toe is definitely an injury that lingers. And, you know, you don't ever actually heal it. You know, it's just sort of something that you can only sort of work around in after the first couple of weeks that you lay off of it. Yeah, disappointing for him to really have lost the starting spot to Hernandez and then go down with his injury, uh, possibly when he had a few times where he could have seen some more playing time when a, uh, a guy like... Uh, say a Shari Joseph could have gone out with a yellow card suspension. He's on caution points warning. Uh, it was a time when they probably could have used him and he could have made the chance to prove that he belongs in the starting lineup. So it's an unfortunate time for him to go down with an injury. Yeah, I think he's always, you know, he's always good for, you know, doing that holding midfield role distributor kind of position. And I think he does well at it. And um, it's it's very unfortunate that, he, that he's gone down at this point in the season. Yeah, and uh, it's great. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the full team in first place in the reserves uh, we're in first place in the in the league as well, so uh, it would be nice to see them win both. Obviously, the, with the tie today, it will be a little bit harder on them to win the reserve league, but still not out of the question, so it would be uh, quite an accomplishment for the team to win both the league and the reserve league and prove the depth they have. Yeah, I don't think if you had told many people at the beginning of the year that we'd be, you know, the last week of September and we'd be leading both the reserve league and the first uh, in the Eastern Conference in the big league, you know, I don't think a lot of people would have expected that, but I think it's just a testament to what kind of a team that, you know, the Reds have built. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, and then we'll be back with uh, some more Revolution Recap. from the Sports Journal Live to tell you about my friends at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic. Whether you're involved in a sports injury like I was or involved in a motor vehicle accident, Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic will get you back on the road to recovery. The specialists at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic in Somerset are the area's leaders in physical, occupational, and speech therapy and can help you get through the recovery process with first-rate attention and care. Clifton specializes in sprains and strains, hand and wrist splinting, stroke and neurological rehab, as well as post-surgical rehabilitation. For more information on Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, call 508-675-7589 or visit them on the web at cliftonhealthcare.com. That's Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, your first stop on the road to recovery. Whether it's a major sports injury or that pain in your knee that's becoming more than just a pain in your knee, Coastal Orthopedics is with you every step of the way. The friendly doctors at Coastal Orthopedics will help get you back to a normal lifestyle. ACL rehabilitation, scoliosis, shoulder arthroscopy, knee ligament injuries, knee arthroscopy, rotator cuff injuries, to total knee replacement. Coastal Orthopedics has three convenient locations to serve you, two in Fall River and one in New Bedford. If you're an athlete with an injury, Coastal Orthopedics is your first choice for top quality care. 
And the doctors at Coastal Orthopedics understand you don't need to be an athlete to need the best in orthopedic care. So if you have an injury, think of Coastal Orthopedics. 235 Hanover Street and 1030 President Avenue in Fall River and 84 Grape Street in New Bedford. 508-646-9525. Coastal Orthopedics, with you every step of the way. In the market for a late model, one owner automobile? Then why not stop by Matthew Auto Sales? On Route 6 in Somerset, to the area's first choice in late model one owner automobiles. Family owned business for over 40 years? Matthew Auto Sales also has auto glass repair, auto body, and towing services. Come by and see Richie about the good buy of the week. That's Matthew Auto Sales on Route 6 in Somerset, or check them out at www.matthewauto.com, or give them a call at 508-678-9033. That's 508-678-9033, and make sure to bring Oscar a doggy bone. They came from every corner of the country, from small towns and big cities, but they all shared one thing in common. They belonged to a family called Marines, a tough and determined few, dedicated to protecting everything we hold sacred, and still, they come. Celebrate the history of those proud few who have earned the title of Marine. Tired of all that? You know, if you and your family need a car, use caution because some dealers just miss the mark a little. At Saturn of Seacock on Route 44, we take the hassle out of your car buying experience. At Saturn of Seacock, it's extremely easy. We give you our best price the very first time. No haggling, no hassling. It's honest up front. It's the Saturn of Seekonk way. And now we're open Sundays, too, to fit your schedule and make it even easier. Plus, extra help if your credit isn't perfect. Call Saturn of Seekonk at 1-888-350-1534. Plus, come to Massachusetts and we finance your sales tax. Call 1-888-350-1534. Saturn of Seekonk, Route 44, number one. Now, you got to admit, you must be tired. So call 1-888-350-1534 for Saturn of Seacomb, a Herb Chambers quality dealership. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Oh, welcome back to Revolution Recap. Uh, if you missed it, we were talking earlier about the Revs. One nothing victory over the Metro Stars, and uh, a shutout for the Revs. Great after after coming off the five four disappointing result the last weekend before against the Metro Stars, and for Matt Reese that was his ninth shutout of the season, uh, a Revolution record for a player in one season. And Matt Reese, I think he'd be very happy with his performance last night. And I I got the the opportunity to talk to Matt Reese last night about what he thought about the game, and we can play that for you now. How big was it to get the shutout tonight after uh, giving up five goals the week before to the Metro Stars? Um, 
No, it was good. It's it's important to uh, to get back to uh, you know keeping them off the scoreboard. Um, you know, you have one bad game a year, and I think that was it. You know, it's not not the most important thing, but it, it does feel good. I think both teams realize that you're not going to win too many games giving up four and five goals, and uh, it's important to uh, to play solid defense and, and hope to to catch a break. You know, they you could tell by the way they were playing, they were hoping to get out with a tie. Um, they were really trying to melt the clock at all times and, and take their time as much as they could, and you know, it kind of came back to, to haunt them when we when we got our late goal. What did you see as the biggest difference between this week's game and last week's game? Just uh, our concentration up and down the field. We were uh, really focused on unlimiting their uh, their scoring opportunities, and we really pressured them up all the way up the field. And uh, every time they got the ball, someone was close to them, and we really didn't give them too many clear clear chances to to get the ball moving and to, to connect passes. Do you think that one that got through would have been an own goal? Did you think it was in? Or was it, no, it didn't have that much speed on it. Um, when it deflected off Michael, it uh, you know kind of went by me, but it didn't. You know, I think I could have. James wasn't there. I think I could have hopped on it again. Um, you know, I did have my hand on it for a second, but you know, I saw James right there, and he took it and cleared it. How far off the line was it then? I mean, if you could have got your hands on it, was it you know, about a foot? Did you, I mean, do you expect uh, a performance like that from James? I mean, first he clears it off the line, then he goes down and scores the winning goal. Yeah, I mean, no, it's you know. I, Obviously, I don't expect him to do all that, but you know he's a he's a good player, and you know he he has that definitely in his game where he can help all the way up and down the field. And you know we got a lot of good players, and it just goes to show that if you know Taylor or Noonan or any of those other guys aren't scoring, then you know someone else needs to step up. And tonight, James Riley did. And that was Matt Reese on the game last night. Uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned so far is uh, the Revs outfouled the Metro Stars 17-11. to 11. I think uh, the week before that was an issue where the Metro Stars really came out and had a physical nature and were trying to intimidate the Revs. I think the, the Revs came out and were trying to do the same thing to the Metro Stars that were on their home field. Uh, they've done very well at home, and they wanted to show that to the Metro Stars that they weren't intimidated after the win last weekend. And they went out there, and I thought uh, the, the physical style was kind of needed in the first half, and it, and it worked out well for them. Yeah, I think you know, laying that, laying down that sort of aggressive nature, you know, it puts uh, puts the Metro Stars on in their back foot a little bit, you know, makes them, you know, not want to rush into the ball a little bit, you know, because they're afraid they're going to get clattered. But I think you know, Agu showed that you know they're they're not afraid to give it right back, you know, tackling uh, Dempsey in the box, you know, and then calling for Dempsey to get a diving call. I think you know that shows that you know both of these teams don't really respect one another all that much. You know, they, I mean, they respect them, but they don't mind you know doing whatever they have to to win against them. Yeah, definitely the Metro Stars, uh, really the Revs' biggest rivalries are over the air, but uh, recently it's been really, really the Revs in D.C. who have been the big rivalry. Uh, they produced a lot of good games this year as well, so really some two great rivalries for the Revs that have been building. Yeah, the D.C. one, you know, mostly coming from all of the playoff exposure. I think, you know, the Metro Stars has been, you know, the one that's been, you know, blossoming the longest, but the D.C. one is right up and coming with all the uh, playoff games and close matches like that. And at the same time, uh, rivalry with Chicago has been building the way uh, Chicago eliminated the Revs from the playoffs, the Revs eliminated Chicago, and it's been back and forth that way as well. So I think that's going to be another rivalry to look forward to, and the Revs have another game left with them and, and uh, a pretty good chance of facing them in the playoffs at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, all these Eastern Conference teams are, you know, you've played them so many times on this schedule that, you know, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're going to form a rivalry. I mean, you know, there's some teams like Columbus that might not form such a such a tough rivalry, but, you know, Chicago, 
DC and, and the Master of Stars have definitely started to become, you know, very testy affairs. And you mentioned earlier um, that the difficulty differences between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and the, the Eastern Conference this year uh, is really a, a testament that the Revs are the only team that have pitched a playoff spot left with just three games, uh, and Columbus and the Metro Stars are both done it. No team has been eliminated. Where the West, the, the playoff pitcher is pretty much decided. Um, obviously, a, a little bit of a chance to switch up between the third and fourth spot, Los Angeles and Colorado uh, could possibly switch places. But other than that, it really, it's really like San Jose's already clinched first. Uh, Dallas is really four points up in Los Angeles, likely going to clinch second. And then Los Angeles, Colorado, two-point difference. But the playoffs have already been decided there. You see um, those four teams have made it. But Real Salt Lake and Chivas, the two expansion sides, uh, really whereas in the past, the Western Conference has been the better conference. I think the change of Kansas City over to the East and the two expansion sides has really changed that and made the Western Conference a weaker conference where the Revs really would have qualified weeks ago if they'd been there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think, you know, even Kansas City, they showed once they were over here that, you know, they're not, you know, the best team in the East. And, I mean, they're struggling, you know, to, to move up in the standings, you know. I mean, they're putting everything that they can into it, but, you know, they're not number one right now. Whereas, you know, I mean, in years past, they would have definitely, you know, at least been challenging first for, with San, uh, San Jose. Yeah, definitely. The, the the conference's difference this year has been amazing, I'd say. With the, uh, but it's really because of the expansion teams. In past years, we saw uh, they had the expansion of Miami Fusion and Chicago Fire. Both those teams turned out to be good teams. Uh, what do you think is the difference this year that has made uh, Chivas USA and Real Salt Lake going, gone with a different attitude, maybe, that made them uh, not successful, where past years expansion teams have done well? I think, you know, you look at Chivas, and that's a whole different story. I mean, they're, you know, they're building through their, their parent club, and you know they've sort of gotten um sort of backups from their uh from their Mexican counterparts so you know they're so they're sort of playing a different game than everyone else whereas um Real Salt Lake has been building mainly through superstars and once one or two of them goes down you know they're not left with much depth of depth at all yeah definitely uh, Salt Lake I think has a team that John Ellinger maybe favored too much to his U17 players uh and with with the players that he'd coached before and I think he really well, favored w- with those players, and that's why he went after maybe some of those players too much that m- maybe weren't as good players in the draft just because he had coached them before, and I think that was something that hurt them. And the same type of thing that Chivas USA did going after maybe the exp- Hispanic players instead of going after the players uh, that were the best players. Right. I mean, and once you start bringing into, you know, you know, favoritism and things like that, I mean, not saying that they're not good players, but, you know, just simply the fact that they're not maybe the best player on the board, you know, it shows, especially in a league where the the talent is this close. I mean, you've got to be able to take whoever's the best player, and you know, you've got to be able to work with them and train them to, into your style of play, and then make it work from there. You can't try to backfit parts into this league, especially, you know, with all the top quality players that are coming in. You know, I mean, Jarkaevs and players like that, Morenos. I mean, you can't have lesser talent. Yeah, definitely. With the the, the way that the, the league has been this year, it keeps getting stronger and stronger, and so many good players. In the past, uh, you've seen the players come over from Europe and. Uh, not do well in the league, but now the players that are coming over from the Europe are, are stronger and have been really performing a lot better. So it, it, it's something that testament to the league. I think the league has gone after more of the younger players in the Central America and South America that have can, helped the team instead of going after the older players uh, from Europe that maybe you've seen in years past, like a Lothar Mateus who comes over here and t- takes the league maybe as a joke or a vacation league and doesn't do well. Yeah, I mean, you go look at guys like Ronnie O'Brien. I mean, these are proven European quality players that are coming over now, you know, while they're still in their relative prime years. And you get guys like that over, and it just brings the level of play up so quickly to the point where they, um, they've they got to push the rest of the league to meet, to match them and to exceed them. Yeah, definitely the guy like 
uh, Yuri Jerkyoff is a player that has, has shown that the European, how a European star does need to come over here and put all their full effort into it to, to do well in this league. And he's been a guy that's really been a great player for the Metro Stars, a difference. Uh, whereas years past, when the players have come over here, they haven't been the top quality players and uh, are in the twilight of their careers and still can't and can't produce at this point. Uh, I think he's more of an exception to that to what we've seen come out of European leagues. Yeah, I mean, he might not be, you know, in his early 30s, late 20s, but, you know, he's still producing at a level which, you know, he's earned his spot. He hasn't been just put there because he's a big name, you know. I mean, we've had guys like, you know, even like a Steve Howey last year coming over to the Revs, you know, he just comes over, they can't produce, and they're just stuck on the field because, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, a European talent, and you can't do that. Well, at least with Steve Howey, I think uh, the Revs didn't really lose much on that because reading my recent articles, it makes it sound like he was actually paying to play here uh, and the end of it and how his contract worked out with. So in uh, a situation like that, I don't think we can mind. So you're too upset over it that they brought over an older guy like that where they could have gone after a young guy. Because I don't think they really had anything to lose in that situation. No, that's true. But, you know, I'm just trying to make the point that, you know, the recent imports, you know, throughout the league have sort of been, you know, to the, the aging superstars that have come over, you know, and I mean, if we can start getting more guys that, you know, while they might be getting a little bit older, they still, you know, have proven that they can produce, that's going to be only a benefit for everyone else in the league. Well, guys like Beckham talk about, David Beckham talk about wanting to come over here and, and really help the league out by playing in the league and getting that icon status, but is it really going to help the league that much if he comes over in, say, three, four years when he's out of his prime and probably won't even be one of the better players in the league by the time he comes here? Yeah, I mean, it might help from a marketing standpoint, you know, getting some financial backing into the league, but I don't think, you know, he'll come in and he'll, you know, win MVP honors. He might, you know, just based on his name, if he puts out a half-decent, you know, a half-decent uh, escapade. But, you know, I mean, guys like Saul Campbell now in their early 30s that are talking about coming over in a couple of years, I just don't see how that's going to help if he's going to come over when he's 36. I mean, defenders that are going to lose that much of a step is going to be kind of tough. Yeah, we've seen examples of that before. Like I mentioned, both Mateus and, and guys who come over here with big reputations uh, expect to have an easy job in a league, more of a vacation league, and just playing for fun at this point. But it's really not that way. It's gotten to be a very competitive league. Uh, we've seen DC United in the past do extremely well in some uh, international competitions, even winning the Inter-American Cup, beating the best team in South America, Boca Juniors, uh, I believe, in 99. So it really shows the league has been coming a far away, and I think they've even gotten better than they were at that point, uh, where we've seen a team like DC United take on Chelsea, a game where many expected to be a blowout and a, not even competitive, uh, come up there, score the first goal, almost win, and end up just losing 2-1 to one in a very respectable scoreline against the, what is arguably the best team in the world. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's not even our best team going up against the best team in England, and I mean, just to even be able to say that we're, you know, competing with them, yeah, they may not have been on top form, but I think, you know, if you had taken that team maybe 15 years ago, you know, taken any of the U.S. teams from around here, you know, they would have not even been a contest. It would have been a joke. And it's not really an exception to the rule. You say that maybe there's a, that, that's just one game, but you saw Chicago take on AC Milan, another quality team. Chicago lost that game 3-1, to one, but I think they were very unfortunate to lose that game. They had a lot of chances and really could have easily put another three past them and have won at 4-3 if Andy Hirona maybe put some better shots on, on the net. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, the MLS select uh, trip over the... You know, over to Madrid wasn't exactly, you know, the most conceived plan. But, you know, taking 11 guys, throwing them together for a day and only to lose 5-1 in, you know, one of the bigger stadiums in Europe, you know, just shows that, you know, we're not that far off. I mean, if we had had, you know, maybe the Revs go over or someone like that, you know, you know San Jose, I think it would have been a different result. And I think, you know, we're getting to the point where we can be competitive in, you know, international tournaments. And when you factor in the jet lag as well, that's another effect there. But we saw the that wasn't even the best MLS All-Star team out there. We saw the best MLS All-Star team taking full and they really dominated 
dominated that game and ended up winning uh, 3-1. to one. Obviously, Fulham, not the best club in England, or one of the top clubs in the world, but a team in the English top division, the English Premier League, a team that goes up and faces teams like Chelsea and, and their regular league, so that was a great performance to show as well, that uh, these MLS players can compete against some, some of the teams from the top leagues in the world. Yeah, I mean, you show, you know, Chris Coleman comes over and he says, you know, I have my eye on a bunch, uh, a bunch of these guys, and I mean, I think that just shows you the quality of the talent that we have here. I mean, people from England, you know, have been talking, you know, <laughs> about all our different players, and, you know, they want them, and, you know, we're putting, you know, a high price tag on them, and that's a good thing. You know, guys like Johnson's have been getting bids, and, you know, we're holding on to our young talent, and that's only better for the league. And then you see the guys who, who do go over there, guys like Brian McBride, go in and they step in and they make an immediate impact where it's not something like they have to maybe take them a few months to get used to the style of play. They step right up and uh, make a big part. I think a guy like Carlos Bocanegra as well stepped right in for Fulham and made a big part there. And Tim Howard his first season uh, getting named by the players as one of the best as the best goalkeeper of the season. So it's, it's amazing that these guys can just go step right up into the highest level and perform. Yeah, I mean, even look at, like, you know, Beasley over in Holland. I mean, these are good teams. You know, he gets all the way to the semifinals of the Champions League. You know, maybe one of the most illustrious club competitions in the world. And, I mean, if we can come in, we can have guys compete like that. You know, I mean, it only shows off the league even better. Yeah, at the same time, the league, though, does seem to want to be keeping their star players at this point. And I, I think that's a good step for the league as well. A guy like Eddie Johnson, uh, keep the best American players in the league. If you can do that, then that's, that's the first step in bringing some of the best players from throughout the world. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to train the talent and, you know, give him his contract rather than having to, you know, overpay for someone that's coming over from Europe because, you know, you have to pay for the relocation package a little bit. I mean, you know, so if you can keep the talents like a Johnson, like, you know, like a Dempsey, like a Twelman, you know, even for five, six years of their prime years, I mean, that's only better. I mean, if they want to leave, you know, you can't stop them, but if you can keep them and entice them to stay, it's only better for the league. I think the league has been going in a different direction, though, where they haven't really been going after the European players as much, obviously, except like Jorkov, but he's proven to be a good player. But we've seen guys like uh, Christian Gomez come from uh, South America and really proven to be a great asset to the league. A guy like Shari Joseph from uh, Granada, obviously, played college here, but uh, he's been the league MVP in my mind, even though the stats-wise is probably going to end up with Twelman. Uh, but a lot of great guys like that who have come over here and made a huge impact in the league. And I think that's a, the right direction to go as well, make this league the destination for the top players in South America and Central America and, and work out through that way, and then maybe you can go over to some of the European countries and make it a destination for them too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even you know Canada's starting to send some of their good players over. I mean, you know, you have guys like Di Rosario coming in, and if we can start being a, you know, a Western Hemisphere-based league and then you know you get a couple European you know, imports like that, I think it's going to make it quite a league, especially if we can hold on to all the U.S talent that we have starting to be developed. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the league has been the reason of the emergence of the national team uh, and how they did so well in Korea and Japan 2002. A lot of those players out there were MLS players competing against the best players in the world, like on the Portugal team where you see players who play uh, all throughout the world in the top leagues. So it's, it's really a tribute to the, to the league and how well the U.S. national team has done as well. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, there was maybe, you know, eight, nine years ago where, you know, you sent an entire team of MLS players over to play in, you know, a World Cup qualifier, and you'd be, you know, pretty scared, and all of a sudden, you know, you send them down to Guatemala or whatever, and, you know, it's not such a shock, you know, we get a draw, and we're almost disappointed with that kind of a result. Yeah, exactly, the the league has improved so much over its 10 years, and it's it's been great to see this happening, and then it's also been great that the league has been getting some recognition with, with that they're getting some of these friendlies like we've seen this year against Real Madrid, uh, Los Angeles Galaxy playing Real Madrid, uh, uh, D.C. United playing Chelsea, as I mentioned, Chicago playing A.C. Milan, 
uh, the All-Stars playing Fulham. It's, it's been great to see this happening where the league has been ex- expanding their uh, horizons by playing some of the top teams throughout the world. Yeah, I think it only helps out both leagues. I mean, sure, they come over, they get their financial benefit, but we get the experience and we get to show off some of our, uh, show off some of our teams to the European fans and maybe grab a couple of fans from over there, too. And uh, DC United has been the team that's really competed in the most competitions, uh, competing in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, many times have won that. Uh, obviously, the, the league hasn't done that well in the CONCACAF Champions Cup recently, uh, but DC's also competed in the Copa Sudamerica this year. Uh, we're very unlucky not to pull through in that tournament, uh, so it's been good to see the, the league doing well in the local regional tournaments as well throughout the North American and South American regions. Uh, but as far as the CONCACAF Champions Cup goes, I think it's a little disappointing to see the teams not doing better. Where in the early years of the league, we saw the teams winning it, and now that the league has supposedly gotten a lot better, the teams are struggling a little bit more in that, and I, I don't know what's to, what's to blame for that. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, the extra scheduling, the extra friendlies. I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, I mean, you take these competitions, you know, it's a cup play. You know, you never can, ex- you know, what you're going to expect. I mean, you know, you, you go in and it's a one game, two game off kind of game and anything can happen. I mean, you see the Revs giving up five goals to the Metro Stars. If you took that one game out of the season and just looked at that, you know, it would look like, you know, we can't defend. And, you know, that's not true. You've got to look at an entire season. Well, yeah, we also saw the Revs have competed in the Cup. I believe they got their first, like, 6-1. to one, And they almost came back in the next game winning that 4-1, uh, to one, but where they lost two players to a suspension. And they almost it almost looked likely that they might have come back and actually made a miracle comeback in that game. Uh, but that was also disappointing as well to see that uh, they gave up the home game in that situation and, and played both games away in Costa Rica. So I, th- I think the fans will be hoping that if they do get that opportunity again, that they take it more seriously and, and play play their home game at home. And I think I think that's a competition that would bring interest to the fans and uh, of the other communities as well, uh, the Hispanic origins and Hispanic backgrounds that want to go see the, these uh, Central American teams play the Revs. And I think it would be a, a great opportunity for the Revs that they need to take. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at any of the World Cup qualifiers up in Gillette, and it's filled with fans that want to come out. They want to see their, you know, their their relatives and you know their their origins come and play in the Gillette Stadium. So I think if you get a team, you know, from Central America to come up and face the Revs, you'll get a good crowd. You'll get some good support. It might be, you know, mixed crowd, but it'll be a good atmosphere. And we got about eight minutes left here, uh, but we can spend the rest of the time talking about the upcoming game against San Jose. Uh, we mentioned earlier San Jose has been a really a surprise, a shock of how well they've done this season with who they've lost and everything. I think they were a team that uh, a lot of people might have expected not even to make the playoffs with how many guys they lost. And here they are top of the league right now and have been performing really well. So this should be a great game, the top team in the East versus the top team in the West. And it's great to have one, this game left as one of the last few home games. Yeah, I think if you watched the game last night or saw any clips of it, you can see that they're they're really fighting to get the number one. You know, they had a couple scuffles with uh, with the other players. I think I forget who got ejected, but you know they'll be down one guy in coming into that game. So you know they might not be at their full strength, but you know it's going to be a tough game. Well, uh, Eddie Robinson was the one who got ejected in that game for San Jose. I think he would have been out of it anyway. He already had a yellow card and he was on yellow card accumulation, so he'll probably get suspended for two games anyways. That'll be uh, a hurt to them. But they have a rookie like Ryan Cochran who can step right up and. He's been a, a, a good player who's played well in, in limited time for them, so uh, I don't think there'll be too much of a drop-off that, that for them there, and I think this will be a great game coming up this Saturday. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be, you know, if we can get a crowd like we got last game, I think it'll really give the uh, Revs an advantage, but I think either way it'll be, you know, a battle. Yeah, definitely. The, as I mentioned earlier, the first game of the season, the Revs played against San Jose. Very competitive game there when San Jose had the two-goal lead and the Revs came back to tie it. Uh, but I think the Revs have gotten a lot better, for instance, in that port as well. Uh, I've, I've learned how to play possession better and have really gelled as a team better, but at the same thing can be said for San Jose and how they've managed to come through all, all the adversity of losing players at the start of the season and losing all these players to injury as well as 
losing a great coach like Frank Gallup a year ago. Yeah, and I think you look at their home record, and that just speaks volumes. I mean, going undefeated at home for an entire season is, you know, quite a feat. And I think, you know, if we get them on our turf, you know, it's, they've shown that they are a little bit more vulnerable on the road than they are at home. So, you know, that sort of changes things in our advantage a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's great to have this game at home. And this is going to be a game that plays a huge role in deciding who wins overall first place in the league. Uh, and the Revs at home have been an excellent team as well. You mentioned San Jose, right? The Revs have only lost one game at home. Uh, I believe they have an, an extra one more win than San Jose as well. So uh, it's a great record for the Revs at home as well. So it should definitely be a great game. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, both teams make the advantage of their, their home games. And that's what you have to do if you're a good team. You have to win your games on the road and try to steal a few points on the road. And that's how you get to the top of the table. Yep, and uh, th- this is a game, as I mentioned, where the, the Revs have a great offense in the top offense of the league, 51 goals. But San Jose is another team that has a great offense as well, uh, 45 goals. And they've also allowed best goals in the Revs, 27 compared to the Revs, who have allowed, uh, I believe, 34 now. So it's going to be a, a tough battle offensively and defensively against a team like that who has some national team players like Brian Ching and Brian Mullen, who's seen some time as well. So it will be an interesting game to see and see where the Revs are at, really, in comparison to the other top team in the league. Yeah, you look at their team, and they have very much a three-, four-pronged attack, just like we do. And so, you know, I think if we let it, it can get to be a shootout. And But if we, you know, if we defend well and just use the counters and work from the wings through, them, through to the crosses, I think we can steal it from them. And the Revs just have uh, three games left of the season now. Great position to clinch uh, first place in the East. Only need four points. Um, we see the games coming up. They have a game against uh, Chicago, the last game of the season. San Jose, the next game. Uh, it's, it's really going to be a great end of the season and some great games. So definitely a great time for to be a fan of the team and a great time to come out and see the Revs. Yeah, and especially, you know, this is a good way. You're, you're facing tough competition going into the playoffs, and I think that's what you need. You're going to have to get into the playoffs on a high note. You're going to have to get some wins, you know. If you can beat your rivals in Chicago, I think that's just a better step into the uh, into the playoffs. And the other game against Kansas City Wizards, the, the, the two games we mentioned, the next one, San Jose is at home, Kansas City on the road, and then Chicago at home. Kansas City, another team who who have really been struggling recently. They got off to a good start. They've been a, a, a solid team overall. Uh, 11 wins and only 7 losses, but really they're a team that could see themselves out of the playoffs. So that's going to be a tough game as well where they're playing against teams like Chicago, Kansas City, who really could be overtaken by the Metro Stars and be out of the playoffs if they don't do well. So those are games where teams who are still fighting for the win, so those are not going to be easy games for the Revs to win. No, they're fighting for their playoffs lives too, just like we're fighting for number one overall in, in both the, the conference and the full table. So I think, you know, uh, none of these games are going to come easy, but if we play like we have been able to play this year, I don't think that it's going to be, you know, games that we can't win. And people talk about the difficulty of being in the East, but uh, I also think there's an advantage to that too, especially in a playoff, where, in a league that has a playoff system where it forces the last few games to be competitive matches where every team is still in it, every team is still fighting for a spot. For the West at this point, it's, it's not really that competitive. The teams already know they're in the playoffs. They know they're not in the playoffs. So, so the games over there, are not, the teams are not going to be, the games are not going to be as competitive in the West as they are in the East. And then we're going to see them going into the playoffs, maybe not at their best because they're not playing these competitive games where the Reds, uh, all their games are going to be competitive up until the last game of the season. That's too true. And I think you know you you get a you get a run out of something like you know Real Salt Lake and Chivas to end the season, and you're not going to come in. You're not going to be motivated. You might have a little confidence from you know running up the score on them, but you're not going to be your sharpest because they're not going to make you be your sharpest and we were talking about the reserve league earlier um, that's been a, a great opportunity for fans to come out to as well the games are free uh, I don't think enough fans go out to those games it's a great opportunity uh, that was the last home game today but uh, for, for fans next year it's a great opportunity to go see the team play 
uh, and see the, see the backups who maybe you don't see in the first team game, but some of the up-and-coming players. And it's also great to be able to sit on the sidelines and experience really the atmosphere as the players experience it and hear everything that they're saying. Yeah, if you can find the field, you know, I've had that problem once or twice. But if you can get to the field, it's a great time. You know, you sit right there. There's maybe, you know, 15, 20 people on the sidelines. You get to hear not only, you know, you get to hear the sounds of the game, but you get to hear the players talk. You get to hear the communication. You get to hear all the things that you don't really get to hear up in the stands. And the standard of refereeing has been a big issue in the league this year. Um, I, I don't think the standard in the league has been that awful. Um, you see a guy like Brian Hall has been playing for the World who has been refing in the World Cup. So I, I think the, the league as a whole, uh, obviously there are a few refs that maybe have not done that great, but I think overall that's a problem in every single league, and I don't think the MLS is an exception in that sense. No, I think any league you go to, you know, no one's ever going to be happy with our refs because, you know, it's a call against you, you hate it, it's a call for you, you love it, and it changes every game, it changes every, you know, every minute. So you're never going to be happy fully with the way they what they call for your team. So I think you just got to be happy that, you know, we don't have too many glaring referees that, you know, are biased or anything like that that you have to worry about. And I think they could use the Reserve League maybe as a tryout or, or hopefully a spot to give them some experience and to really see how, see how what level they're at at this point. Where uh, I think the refs today obviously didn't show too well, made a few um, calls that seemed pretty blatant to be wrong, and didn't give any didn't give any cards out where it seemed like they might have been needed. Uh, but I think that's that's good to have them show that they're not ready for it yet in those games and be thrown into the big games and and do the same thing in a game that really matters. Yeah, I mean, I think you you saw, you know, just the difference that you can have. I mean, I thought one of the lines was great, and I thought the other one wasn't so great. And I think this is where you really have to prove yourself. You know, and it's good just to get reps against the speed because, I mean, you know, you come from something, you know, like a youth soccer or a college soccer, and it's not quite the same speed of the game. And so, you know, you're not always in the right position at this league, and it's good just to be able to get up to the speed of the game. And we got to wrap things up here. I'd like to thank you for joining us today, uh, where we can be heard every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. on 1320. Uh, you can get the latest archives at revolutionrecap.com. Uh, you can get your latest Revs news at anyrevs.com. And uh, the upcoming Revs game here is at Gillette Stadium against San Jose Earthquakes on Saturday. Uh, at 7.30 p.m. if you want to go check that out. It should be an excellent game, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, and thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.